Good, y'all. I am Josh So Focused. I'm French the Bro Host, and we would like to welcome you to the Mixtape Podcast. The Mix, the Mixtape Podcast. The this is episode podcast. 43. <laughs> and this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing mix news of the week. And if you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the Knicks Take. Then go to YouTube and search Knicks Take Videos. And you can also find us on Instagram at The Knicks Take. And lastly, on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. French, my brother, how was your week, sir? Another busy, work-fulfilling week. Coming up with new ways to better my income situation you know what i'm saying outside of the podcast you always got to look for other ways for growth so nothing too crazy to update yet so how was your week similarly my my week has been mostly about work i, I went back to work last week this week i'm back to work full duty got the got the the call from my doctor well, not really a call. I went to visit him. Spoke to my doctor. He was like, yeah, you're good. You're good to go back. Now it's just about strength. Just strengthen up that hand and you, you'll you be fine. So and do that some was good news. Yeah, I, I did a pull-up the other day. I was happy about that. So I'm going to get that back you know, up. One. Try and try and get, well, you know, there's still pain in my hand. So it's not, it's, <laughs> I ain't trying to overdo it. Trying Not trying to go back to the doctor. <laughs> trying Not trying to go back to the hospital. Not trying to go back out. So. Just did one. It was like, all I right, I can do one. It hurt a little bit. I'm going to leave it at that. Tomorrow, I'll do two. Tomorrow, next day, I'll do three. You know what I mean? Just keep going. Just keep pushing. Mm -hmm. That was Failure. my week, sir. And we covered the Knicks losing a nail-biter in Brooklyn on the last episode before going to win against Portland and Washington. So... You wanted to mention something also last week that you didn't get to Yeah. Share. So, yeah, because after the podcast, we talked about it immediately. We were like, yo, did you, did you listen to the Knicks Film School podcast when they had Channing Fry on there? And mm -hmm. we was like, oh, we should have talked about that. <laughs> like immediately yeah. after recording. And I, I was mad because it was something that I did. I wanted to try to figure out a way to talk about it, and then I just never remembered. Channing Fry was on the Knicks Film School podcast last week, speaking with Jonathan Macri, a, a podcaster who we usually mention, you know, while we're talking. And Channing mm -hmm. Fry had a lot of interesting things to say, uh, uh, a lot of stories from when he first, when he was on the Knicks. He was only on the Knicks for for two years, drafted by the Knicks. One was one of my favorite players while he was on the Knicks as far as like young players, young talent, guys that I thought had a future, was going to be a good solid contributor either as a starter or as a backup. I actually overhyped him his rookie year. And he went he went over that experience. 
And then he talked about his championship experiences, playing with the Cavs, playing with LeBron, playing against Steph. And then he gave some suggestions as far as how the Knicks could be better. <laughs> and uh, he had Jonathan Macri guess what former superstar the Knicks should trade for. Macri I hated was his unable. answer. Macri was unable to guess. <laughs> Channing Fry said, "Yo, there's this former superstar, and again, not he, not from this year, but the year before. The year before, he was playing good. You know, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that boy is good. <laughs> Everybody listening was like, oh, he's not really trying to say. Excuse me. And listen, I understand where it comes from because Russell Westbrook." Last season, I do believe he he like led the league in assists per game. He ended that season helping the Wizards get to the playoffs. He finished the season off pretty well. He was still a triple-double threat. But he was still playing like trash last season for a good portion of it. And this season, he's even more so playing like trash. So, yeah, that boy is good and terrible. Yeah, no, we don't want we don't want that. I couldn't listen. (laughs) After he said Russell Westbrook, that's when I stopped listening to the episode. Well, that was the end of the episode. (laughs) And that was the end of the episode for me personally, because I'm like, it's 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 how to say you don't really watch the Knicks without saying you don't really watch the Knicks. Like, if you really watch the Knicks, what needs does Russell Westbrook address for this team? He, well, I can answer that question. It's just about whether he fills those needs effectively. Russell Westbrook gets to the paint. Russell Westbrook you know, can man the offense. If you have Julius Randle still there, Julius Randle will defer to Russell Westbrook because he's a former all-star, because he's a, vet, because he's, he's a veteran. All of the things that when Derrick Rose is on the court, the reasons why you defer to Derrick Rose are the reason why you would re- defer to Russell Westbrook. He used to be a good finisher. He gets respect in the league, regardless of what is happening on the court. He does get still get respected as far as being a threat. And he's a guy who, if you put the ball in, the hand, in his hands at the end of the game, he's a guy that you could trust. But, and that's where he, Channing Fry was coming from. The only thing is that, all of the things that I just mentioned, I don't think that he, I don't think it's fair to ask him to do that and to do it effectively. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe he's just looking like trash on the Lakers because he has LeBron and AD there and a lot of these other guys and Melo and all that stuff. And maybe he's just not a good fit there. But is he a good fit anywhere? I don't know. So we're going to add another non-shooter to the starting five alongside Mitchell Robinson. And Julius Randle makes eight threes one game and then goes 0 for 6 the next game. So he's not he can't, he can't be considered a shooter. RJ can't be considered a shooter. The spacing issues that alone but from that is just asking for trouble. And it's going to get us out to poor starts of every game. Westbrook is not going to give you that effort on defense. 
like a manual quickly would give you. It's just it just it doesn't make any sense to me. And and the fact that we're watching him this season play alongside two superstar players and he's unable to find a rhythm consistently even on the games where both superstars players are not playing it's like he has good good games he has bad games most of the time and it's like bro why do what would we get out of this player who's clearly on the decline and it's only going to get worse You muted your mic. I can't hear you. Yes, I did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, if I put my thinking cap on and try to live in the brain of Channing Fry. Uh, I can see where he's coming from. I can see a universe where that would work. Is it this universe? Probably not. I think that he feels that Russ's struggles have to do with the other players on the court. With trying to figure out, you've played your whole career with the ball in your hands and everybody else has to wait their turn after me. And now you have now you can't really do that with LeBron. You can't really do that with AD. You put him in a situation like the Knicks where you don't want Julius Randle to have that. You don't want Julius Randle to be LeBron. Now, now, now Julius Randle, now Julius Randle can sit to the side. He can catch. He can shoot. Or he can drive to the basket off of a pass. You want him rolling to the basket. You want him playing more like he did before he came to the Knicks as opposed to what he's doing for the most part now. The problem with is that Russell Westbrook's never won playing his style of basketball. He couldn't do it with KD. They got far, but in his, in, at his best, he couldn't do it with the guy that you're definitely saying is a top one player in the NBA right now. And mm -hmm. he hasn't been able to do it. He's played with a lot of superstars in the league. He, he's, it's not, he's, he, you can't win. He can't win when he's the number one option. And if we are trying to get to a point where we're trying to not just make it to the finals, but also win a title, I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it makes sense to make him our number one option when he's going to be retired in two years, three years, probably. Whenever his contract up, he's going to probably get another short-term contract, cheap contract or whatever. He, he, he may stick around, but he's not, he's not the guy that you want to build around. And that is a move where you're building around an older player just because he used to be able to do number one option things. And maybe he still can't. But... That's not sound team management to me because I can see that just as easily as I can envision a universe where that could work. I can envision in this universe, it's definitely not going to work. So nah, don't do that. We, we can talk about the Randall of it all and the RJ Barrett of it all. And we will talk about both of them, but 
Yeah, I see where Channing Fry is coming from. I, I think it's an interesting proposition. It's not one that I think that the Knicks should pursue, though. It it the only thing that like screams to me when I hear something like this is like when you think of NBA players and the life that they had, they have a bias towards NBA players that they've seen be super successful at a level that many other NBA players have not gotten to. And Russell Westbrook is a player who has gotten to superstar ability. And because of that, a guy like Channing Fry, who played in the NBA for how many years? He played well into his 30s, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, he did. He's thinking of it from his perspective, like, oh, that guy's a superstar player. He's way better than I ever was. It's just one bad year. He'll be back on his feet. Right. I don't feel that way. If I <laughs> felt that way, then maybe, yeah. This is Russell Westbrook a few years ago, I would want him on the Knicks. But right now, the way that he's looking and the way that he's playing and the way that his confidence is looking, people attacking him all kind of crazy to the point where it's like he's never been this criticized in his career. And for him to go from that in L.A. to come into New York where it doesn't get any easier. I don't think I, I don't, don't think Russ cares about that. I don't think I, I think I think one thing that Fry did say. Is true. I think if Russ was to play in New York, he would fit right in with the lifestyle, with the media, like the media could take shots at him all, at him all game. He ain't going to care. He's in the L.A. right now, matter of fact. And it, that's how it is. Like, I I can be upset with some of the things that he says in the po- in the in the interviews and all that stuff and how serious he's taken. Like, but for him, it's just this is the game of basketball. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's either going to work or it's not. And it is what it is. I'm here to play basketball. That's it. And if that's up to y'all to whether to hint, whether my being here hinges on us making, getting to the title, all that stuff, is front office, all that stuff. But me, I'm here to do what I'm here to do. And that's how you survive, right? That's how you survive in, on the Knicks. That's how you survive as a player. You can't care about all that stuff. Regardless of whether you should be caring about winning a title, which if he's on his team, is like, no, you should be caring about winning a title. The fact that his that's his mentality means that he is going to be fine here. He he ain't going. He, he he's not going to have the issues that Julius is going to have. He's going to have different issues, but he ain't going to have the issues that Julius is having. Where where I feel like things that are happening off court are affect are affecting him on court. Would you trade Randall for him? No. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Um. I think that now I I let me say my initial answer is no I wouldn't I need to look at his contract I think he got I need to years, I need to do more research on how he's how he is in L A the reason why I'm so hesitant is because. He is like when Derrick Rose came here the first time, a caliber of point guard that we haven't had in a long time, even now on the decline. He's on a two year contract. Next for year how will much? be his last year for forty seven million. 
So it, so that's an expiring contract for his last season. Mm-hmm. I would see what 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 else is out there first. What if they gave us Westbrook? Um, let's see. Well, Westbrook's contract is going to make it so that they can't add another player. But no, no, it would have to be picks. Add picks. Which do they even have picks? They have one first round pick, and they probably have a slew of seconds, if I'm not mistaken. See, and that's why it's like my initial answer is no, but I, it's not a hard no. Like I would need to, I would need to really delve into. Okay, what would it take for me to be like? Okay, yes, because because I think that you can probably get. I think that you could probably get a decent package without having to take in a Russell Westbrook. But I think that you can get a, a number one pick, well, not a number one pick, but a first round pick for Russell Westbrook to take him off, off, off the, off your hands, even for one season. Like, all right, well, we'll, if we can get Randall for, for Westbrook, we'll give you a pick for it. If that's how they feel in LA, that that's, a, that's not a bad deal for an expiring contract. Even if it's for 40, it's 40 million for one year. And then, you know what I mean? And then you can figure out the point guard situation after that. Maybe quickly takes another leap, but we'll talk about that next. Let, let, let's get into the Utah Jazz game. Let's get into it. So, Nick started off hanging tough against the Jazz. Fournier, Burks, RJ knocked down a few early shots from downtown. Nick shooting put them up by eight early. It was looking like, all right, we playing well. Playing well against a very good team. But Utah's bench cuts into and regains the lead over the Knicks bench. So uh, these young guys, the young guys were not bringing the energy that they normally did. Rudy Gobert, who's probably going to end up being the defensive player of the year this season, had our guys afraid to drive into the paint for most of the night, especially one Julius Randle, who appeared to be doing way too much the entire night. Way too much. Couldn't score, decided not to defend. Had an overall bad night. Maybe it's, maybe you know, we found out later. Maybe it could have been something physical with him, but it, it, there was a lot of things where it's like, that's a choice you're making. That's not, that's not a physical thing. That's a, yeah, I want to put up this shot, right? Defensively, when you hurt him, I'll, I'll lay off you defensively, even though you're on the court. So you got to you you're there for two sides, right? But he was putting up shots. You putting up shots. I can't really even that even that what you do it on defense part is kind of like nah. Take that energy of what you're doing on offense. Just put it to defense. You you'll help the team. Anyway, let me get off my tangent. <laughs> Knicks went down by 15 at the end of the third, before Emmanuel quickly knocked down a key three pointer in the last minute. So 15 minus 3, that's 12. Next, you start the fourth. Quick, Obi, Deuce, Grimes, Sims, and the game, and the fourth quarter starts off with an Obi top in three to cut it to nine. 12 minus 3 is nine. Six points right there from the bench, from the young guys who admittedly didn't play that well in the first half. RJ and Mitch come in for Deuce and Sims <laughs> after potential future Nick Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell hopefully. Just putting it in there. Hopefully, future Nick Donovan Mitchell comes to the Knicks. He knocked down a three to bring the lead 
back to 10 after they scored. RJ banks a three to bring it down to seven. Quickly hits a floater and a three-pointer to cut it to five with seven minutes remaining. Now, in between those two plays, there was substitution. Alec Burks came in for Grimes, right? Quickly got fouled behind the arc, missed two out of the three. That would have cut the lead to two. But because he only made one, he cut it to four, right? This is off the backs of mostly our young guys. Donovan Mitchell abuses Burks, who came in for Grimes, as I said earlier, for a dunk. Quickly comes back, throws a full-court pass to Obi Toppin for a slam dunk. While Julius Randle and Evan Fournier are waiting to enter the game. Now this, I've recapped all of the good that happened. Even when Burks came in, it's like, all right, I don't know why Burks is coming in when we're playing so well, but whatever, cool. Julius Randle, I've already admitted, did not play good the entire game. Evan Fournier had a decent game. But the guys we had out there were playing well. Yeah, and I was saying to myself, and I was saying to myself, hopefully, after that dunk, Tibbs says, "Nah, go ahead, go back on the bench. They got this." I was tripping. I was bugging. He did not do that. <laughs> the score at that time was a ninety-three eighty-nine, four-point game. These guys come in. Knicks fail to score as Utah goes on a 15-2 run over the next four minutes. The final, Utah 108, Knicks 93. Tibbs makes a huge error in bringing Randall and Fournier in, in at, the, at that point in the game. Even, even Alec Burks, I feel like, was a problem. Like, leave the guys in there. Let them get the lead. Let them do what they – if they can't win, they can't win. Julius Randall had nothing all night. Maybe once it gets out of hand, maybe you throw Evan Fournier once it starts looking like they're starting to build the lead. But there was no point where I felt like the Knicks were not continuing to cut into the Jazz's lead. There was no point where I felt like it was getting out of hand. This is not like the game where the, where Cam Reddish was in the game and he just scored and then he got pulled out. Because at least with that, I understood what happened there. Fournier was having the better game. When Cam was out there, I forget I forget who they were playing against, but they cut the lead, they cut into the lead. The Knicks were up twelve. When Cam came out, they were down. They were they were up six. This is not. This is the Knicks cutting into the other team's lead. I did not get that. I didn't think that was a good idea. He tinkered with the lineup. The Knicks ended up losing by double digits. You, you can't. No matter what, I understand the process. I understand. The thinking doesn't make it right, doesn't make it the best decision, doesn't make it a good decision, doesn't make it a smart decision. Let me just say one thing. Okay. And this is the point where all the listeners are going to sigh. But I completely understand Tim's decision-making in that moment. Yeah, I do too. Because if... You refer to Julius Randle as your engine in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, your most talented player on the roster. 
in a game this important to your season. This is the platter that you want to serve your star player. Like, bro, the game is in the most intense stage that it's in, in the fourth quarter. There's enough mm-hmm. time for us to make to finish this comeback, take the lead. And when he came into the game, it was after Obi missed the three is when uh, Tibbs called him to, 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 to check in with Evan. Yes. And then right after that, Obi gets a fast break dunk. Yep. Like you said. Mm-hmm. But four minutes to go in this game, I believe, right? Yes. Somewhere around there. Down. No, five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes down four. And you bring in your most talented player in the game. Normally, when you see another team do something like that, like if you it's see LeBron coming at f- five minutes with f- down four, it's like, oh, they, they, the bench did their job. Now all he got to do is just finish the comeback. Right. And then Julius Randle comes into the game. He's not even looking at the rim to score when he's in the mid-range, wide open. Right. I can't blame Tibbs for that. Tibbs is doing everything he can to bring out the most he can in his best players. If you have a talent that, if you have someone that talented on your roster, you can't just ignore them because they having a bad game. I will, I will do what I always do. I'll give you both sides. Right. I'll agree with you and disagree with you. And my overall feeling is to disagree with you. But I'll tell you why I agree with you because I said the same thing. I understand why Tibbs did what he did. Not nine out of ten coaches at that point in the game, they want to have their quote unquote best player on the court. The problem for me is that right now, if anybody who's evaluating this team with clear eyes, with clear mind, with sound thinking. The best player in your team is no longer Julius Randle. The best player in your team is R.J. Barrett. Everyone who has crapped on Tibbs all year has said he doesn't know how to read the room. Or they might have said, He doesn't know how to properly evaluate his own players. I push back against the second one. I agree wholeheartedly with the first one. But this is a game where people making that second argument, they sound right. Because Julius Randle is not LeBron James. Julius Randle is not Kevin Durant. Julius Randle is not a top 15 player in 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 the NBA. He wasn't even a top 15 player in the NBA last season. He came close. He might have been a top 20 player, maybe, last season. But he's not that player this year. He's not even close to that to the top 20 player this year. And if you have if you look at this objectively, you know that he was not having a good game all night. Only thing bringing him back into this game was going to do was going to embarrass him. Was going to make him look worse than he did was going to lose you the game, and he accomplished all three with that decision. Once again, I understand why he made that decision. I do. I get it. He's your best player. He's supposed to be your best player. Excuse me. He's supposed to be your best player. He has been the engine of the offense for a year and a half now. 
And we just gave him a contract extension. Yeah. Four years, didn't we? Well, we can't say just. It was at and the beginning we're gonna of the be season. A, and if we're going to be a playoff team, the first year into that contract is not the time where you want to be benching your most highest played Yeah, players. I get it. I get it. And if you make it to the playoffs, you need him to be good. You need him to be able to, to, to show up in these moments. I get it. But we, we learned however long ago we learned it. Julius is not that guy. And this is probably a situation where you're too close to the situation to kind of analyze it properly. I don't envy mm -hmm. Thibodeau for being in the position that he's in. If I was in that situation, maybe I would have done the same thing. I don't think so, but maybe I would have. I'm, I can't know. I don't. I'm not privy to the things that Tibbs is privy to. But when you're in there, you're you look at everybody as a team. You have everybody has their role. You look at guys with a certain. It makes sense. I get it. I. The problem is that you have. You're a guy who watches tape. You're a guy who studies. You're a guy who has a reason for everything it was a bad call bad call so julius was god awful all night as i've multiple as i've said a uh, multitude of times he didn't deserve nor earn the 35 minutes of playing time that he got 13 points on six for 21 shooting six for 21 shooting 13 points on 21 shots just saying also had 11 rebounds and three assists. RJ started the game looking great, but for some reason, probably because Randall was trying to get his instead of playing through the team, potentially. RJ went from a beautiful 62% shooting to a ghastly 40% shooting by the end of the game. 62% shooting in the first half, 40% shooting to end the game. He did have, not have a good shooting night the second half of this game. RJ had 24 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 4 turnovers. Lastly, Emmanuel quickly out here playing like he's trying to get Tibbs fired <laughs> with how good he's playing. He's been our best healthy point guard easily. 16 points with 8 coming in that 4th quarter. Half of his points were scored in that 4th quarter. The 22 minutes he played is inexcusably low. Inexcusably low. He should have played 30 minutes. If anybody should have played 30 plus minutes, Emmanuel quickly should have played 30 plus minutes. Not That's Julius the one Randall. thing I can't defend Tibbs on is like quickly de deserve to be playing more minutes the entire year. He should be a starter by now. So let we're, I'm going to try and do something new. I want to kind of talk more about the post game stuff. So let's listen to Tom Thibodeau. Hopefully I select the right clip. Well, that's where you got to make a decision whether you're coming back with your, your with your starters or not. What, what did you see happen in that second quarter when they, they changed the game? I thought we started the game well, for, played well in the first quarter, and broke the lineup. We sort of lost ground, and they got control of the, the first the end of the first quarter, started the second. Then we worked our way back. I thought the bench gave us good lift in the second half. And then, you know, we had a chance to, to get it to two with about six minutes to go with free throws. And then, you know, they, they made plays down the stretch. We didn't. How disappointed were you that the last six minutes looked like a really bad sheet for you guys? Well, I'm sorry? How, how disappointed are you that the last six minutes turned out the way it did? 
Well, the thing, you know, the, the, the thing is, is they're, they're a really good team. So you got to play for 48 minutes. And, you know, so we didn't do that. So we, we fell short. I thought it's one of the few times we've been uh, really rebounding well. And I, I just felt we didn't rebound the ball well tonight. There was a lot of balls, 50-50 balls that we didn't get to. Uh, you know, we knew they were going to shoot a lot of threes. And so covering the elbows is is important. And they beat us to those. And so that, that hurt us. That got them, them going. And then, uh, you know, if you don't rebound, you, it's going to be hard to win. Just to get our starters back, and I felt he had gone a pretty good stretch, and then I knew I could bring him back. So he was going to come out for probably a couple of minutes, which is what I was thinking there. Tom, you have an idea of what happened there at the end with Julius? And no, I didn't see it. I haven't looked at the film yet. What's that? Yeah, just, you know, like I said, I, I didn't, you know, I thought we fought, but it felt like we were a step behind most of the night. And, you know, like uh, and it, you know, when you have a guy like Mitchell, who's going to be, you, you know, it's going to require a lot from you. There's going to, you're going to be blitzing and, you know, Gobert's going to put a lot of pressure on the rim. And then Clarkson as well, like, Clarkson is a big time scorer, so you know you got to defend him into the game. And then when the two of them are on the floor, you got two guys that you know you really got to put two on to, which is going to spread you out. And that, that probably hurt us some with with the rebounding because you're in rotation. So it requires high energy, and I felt like you know, normally we we've, we've been pretty high energy, you know. So uh, we were, as a team, I felt we were behind tonight. It's a little choppy on my end. Yeah, me too. So I'm going to pause it here. So Tibbs, essentially, let's just. The Mixtape Podcast. Tibbs essentially said that five minutes is the time that you got you, you to choose who, who's going to come in at that time, whether you bring the starters or whether you leave the guys that's already out there. He made a call and, you know, that's why he did what he did. Also. Emmanuel quickly came out for a couple of minutes after in, in that in that in that game. And he was asked about that. He said, I was just trying to give him a quick breather. I thought, you know, I'll give him two minutes, whatever. Didn't sit right with anybody who listened to him say that because he only played 22 minutes. <laughs> he should have played the whole fourth. If he starts looking like he's tired, then pull him out. So Anyway, you got anything to say I feel about like what plus about, minus? Plus got, minus this game it, is something that all Knicks fans chose to ignore because if Julius Randle was a negative 20, is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but let's continue on. Well, the Knicks me, ended up going to face oh, off. Hold, oh, on, sorry, hold on, hold on. You're skipping over stuff real quick. <laughs> I was gonna ask you: Do you is there anything from Tibbs' uh, uh, post game that you remember that you wanted to speak on? And if not, that post game, not 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 that post game in particular. There is a post game that I do want to speak on for sure. Okay, so but it's not I, this one's. 
Well, we didn't. You about to hop right over this whole Julius Randle, Rudy Gobert situation that happened at the end of that game. Uh, I forgot. Ah, that. yeah. So, <laughs> to make matters worse, it wasn't. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for Julius Randle to stink up the joint playing against the Utah Jazz. No. At the end of the game, Rudy Gobert, you know. Leans up against him. Julius Randle gives him a shove. And Rudy is trying to play peace, whatever. Julius shoves him again. It turns into a whole big thing, right? Starts shoving away and smacking the hands of several New York Knicks assistants after that. And then after, when he starts headed to the back, Obi tries to give him, dap him up or tries to, you know, tap him. And... Yeah, Julius kind of smacks away Obi Toppin's hand on the way out. Uh, Let's listen to Julius Randle's version of what happened at the end there. Before we do that, you guys, is there anything I forgot? Anything that you that you noticed in in that little exchange? I felt like, yeah, I felt like that exchange. um, Yeah, I could be completely wrong. I think that. Rudy Gobert was talking crazy, but making it seem like he was like, oh, what's wrong? You mad we kicked jazz? Like, come on. He, and then <laughs> coddled him on his back. And that's why Julius Randle was pushing him away because he was mad. But that, that's just, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Okay. To make him react that way when Rudy Gobert appears to be doing nothing else wrong well, to him and he's he pushing him away and, and now he's pushing Obi away. It's just like, you're doing a lot right now, bro. Let, let, let's see if Julius Randle agrees with your version of what happened here at the end of that game. I think he's lying. Uh, I really don't know. <laughs> that. To be honest with you, I was kind of uh, having a conversation with the official at first and then when I walked he away, was not. they uh, like kind of was grabbing me, I guess. I guess they thought it was some, some confrontation. He was grabbing me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> from the play before. <laughs> Or whatever it was, but it wasn't. Like, so, you can tell when someone's not an experienced bit, liar. Uh, <laughs> too much, but it's fine. It's not a big deal. It was too much. Nah, not at all. Honestly. I was confused, to be honest. This <laughs> is when, I, when you, I walked away. I was, I was confused, but it's fine. You definitely looked confused, Julius. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Yeah, you definitely looked confused at the end of all that. What, what universe is this dude on? <laughs> like, uh, it, what what universe is this dude on? Like, you you pushed Rudy I Gobert. I can't defend it. And then you pushed him again. And then you said something to the ref, probably. If if I'm if I'm watching, you know, because you did you pushed Rudy Gobert and you turned around, you said something. Maybe that's when you said something to the ref. But you don't. You're not going to acknowledge that you pushed Rudy Gobert twice. I don't care what Rudy Gobert was saying, right? I really don't. Yeah, Rudy Gobert could have been. At the end of the day, you look like, and French. If that's what happened, what you say happened, with how you feel it happened. If that's what happened, he's a sore loser. That that's what it is, right? That that's what it is. That, oh, you had that, like that point. Oh yeah, I'm mad you kicked that. Right? Why are you pushing the dude? Because it looked like he said the tips when he was walking away. He's like, oh, yeah, they still talking shit. That's what it looked like. I'm not a, a, a good lip reader, but it looked like that's <laughs> what he was saying. So 
when I when they kept playing that replay back, I'm like, oh, I could see him throwing a bunch of jabs and and making it seem like he's he's consoling him. But either way, after this game, I'm I was at the point of no return with Julius Randle, which <laughs> most Knicks fans have been at since probably around Christmas. But it's just too many instances of this after games, him pushing his own teammates away, getting into these big, uh, like, bro, like, you a professional athlete, leave the court, you got your ass kicked, you're not even playing with the intensity that you play, that you showing now during the game, but now you want to get all this energy and poke your chest out and be big and tough, like, relax. The game is for, is the, is where you put all that energy at. Like, at the end of the game, I want to see you tired like you was at the end of that Boston game at the beginning of the season when you couldn't you couldn't wait to go home and lay down and go to sleep. Like, that's what I want to see at the end of the game. I'm tired of seeing these meltdowns after you not showing any effort for four quarters straight. Like, come on. that I'm at the point where I just want to see him gone and see just – I'd. A, a a quality player in his place. I yeah. don't care who it is. Harrison Barnes? I don't care how. It doesn't have to be a superstar. I'll take Harrison Barnes. I'll take <laughs> any quality player who's just going to be solid. That's all you, I want. You have officially flipped. Because yeah. I definitely brought Harrison Barnes up. And you was like, nah, not Harrison Barnes. I don't want yeah, that. Nah, I'll don't take, do that trade. Now, take you'll take him. <laughs> I'll take him. I'll take him. Oh, I'm man. Harrison Barnes. We have a number fresh to have the jersey printed. I'll make a custom jersey right now and go to Sacramento and try to recruit Harrison Barnes to get Julius Randle off this team. But that ain't going to happen because they got some bonus. I, a- after this game, I saw a clip on Twitter where the Knicks, you know, they do their little entrance. They come through the, from, come through the, uh, out the side into the arena and onto the court. And it looked how you would expect it to look. Everybody coming out, hands out, dapping the fans, blah, blah, blah. And then the last guy who comes out is Julius Randle, and he just runs right into court, doesn't extend his hands, doesn't dap any fans. The only player that doesn't only dap one. any fans. The only one. Yeah, I, you can go, bro. <laughs> you can go. We're fine. We're good. Thank you for taking the discount that you did. It is. It was the embodiment of the player that you were last season for you to do that. It, you know, it, it, it's a great gesture. Thankful for it. Thank you right. for the one incredible season. Right. Thank you for leading us to the playoffs. Thank you for all of the hard work and effort. Thank you for always being the guy who plays through whatever for being healthy play through soreness, whatever. Thank you for being that guy. But you're doing too much. Yeah. Right? Just like you said, oh, it was a little too much right there in that press conference. Yeah, no, bro. You're yeah. you're you're too much at this point. You're Make you're sure. <laughs> you're way too much. And maybe. maybe you just need to be somewhere. Maybe this was not never meant to be. And hey, thank you for your services. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Please go. Yeah. Make sure that you walk fast on the way out the door because that shit closed fast. <laughs> Don't let it hit you. All right, let's go on, move on to the Hawks game. So, 
the scenario that we just painted, Randall-less Knicks that we want to see, <laughs> we got a chance to see that the very next game against Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks here at that? home. Because Julius Randall was listed as out with a quad injury. Soreness, allegedly. We'll just let we'll, we'll just leave that in the we'll air. Let that hopefully breathe. his quad, you know, gets healthy around you know June or whatever the time the season is over. And let me just say, I do think that he has. <laughs> I, I do think something's wrong with his quad. But is that why he's not playing for real? Go on, French. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear the trade. <laughs> but back to the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young has heard boos from the minute the game began to the to, to the end. There was no let up at all. Every time he touched the ball, the the fans let him hear it, and it didn't slow him down at all. <clears throat> RJ did the best that he could without Julius Randle. He had a great game, 30 points, 13 rebounds. It was a neck and neck game all the way through for the most part, but Trey Young really was like just unstoppable. I think through three quarters, he had 35 points, if I'm not mistaken, right? And Alec Burks had himself his best game that he had in months. It seemed like the game plan all night was to just target Trey Young anytime we got the ball on offense. And whoever was guarding, whoever Trey Young was guarding, they was just going to exploit that matchup. And that ended up with RJ getting 30 points. Uh, that resulted in Alec Brooks ending the game with 21 points. And like I was saying, it was a pretty much competitive game all the way up until the fourth quarter, until the point where we just couldn't score. And a couple Hawks players, uh, I think Bogdanovich, um, what's his name? Uh the guy who was who was injured where's number 12 i believe on the hawks um <laughs> you know i don't know damn, nobody's his name. on the hawks um hunter he hit a, a, a yeah, three i think it was his one three of the game hits the one three of the game late in the clutch and we could not score hawks take this game 117 111 trey young came into the garden dropped 45 points eight assists and didn't he couldn't just leave it at that. He had to, you know, break Taj down, made him fall to the floor and hit the <laughs> shot, <laughs> hit a pose. Like, bro, he just he just came into the garden, disrespected us. I did not like that. Bogdanovich came off the bench, dropped 32 points. Uh, Emmanuel Quigley was the only player off the bench who was, the, like, semi with a hot hand. He only finished the game with 17 points. Uh, but he did start off three for three from three, missed his last two, and then... It was just pretty much quiet after that. Mm -hmm. Kevin Knox wasn't able to check in for the Hawks, but this was just a, a disheartening loss. We really wanted to see RJ take this win by himself without Julius Randle, but we just we we couldn't we couldn't get that at the end. He tried. What, what was your takeaways from this game? He, he tried. Try. He, he put up he the tried. effort. He, he he put he put up thirty points as you said. He didn't shoot great, nine for 25, one for seven mm -hmm. from three. He probably should have shot less from three. That probably would have helped. He also missed six free throws. That could have helped. Mm -hmm. 
we lost by six. You know, I was really into this game, and just how we slowed it down and couldn't score and didn't do any of the things that we needed to do that the things that were most successful for us just it was just you don't want to see it you want to see them play the same wave the entire game there's a lot of people who are insisting that when we slow it down at the end of the game that's because of tom thibodeau don't know why what they're basing this off of don't know yeah i don't i don't know where they get it from i don't i'm not sure why all of the bad things that happened to the Knicks are attributed to Tom Thibodeau and all of the good things that happened to the Knicks are attributed to the young guys. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get, I don't get the logic, but um, one thing we can all agree on is that Tom Thibodeau is not an offensive minded coach. He's defense first coach. So I think the Knicks, I think the Knicks played Tom Thibodeau's game plan for as much as they could. At the end, we didn't have the right lineup of guys. And Taj Gibson got bopped to Bolivian. <laughs> bopped into Bolivian is the word. Like, he, that was that was crazy. I don't mean to pile on Taj. I, 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 like Taj is one of my favorite players, but that was I love crazy. Taj. I hate it had to be him. I that was the worst. Pr- that was like Trey knew exactly who to do that to, to hurt Knicks fans' heart. If he did that to <laughs> Fournier, if he did that to Burks, he did that. Like, bro, Taj? You going to do that to Taj? That's crazy. That's crazy. That that one run me the wrong. That that's all I remember from the game. I, I ain't gonna lie. Like the final score, no. Seeing him pose with the two K animation shot after you hit the green, after he done Taj had Taj's body playing look like he's playing Twister. Like come on, like, come on. All right. We can we let's get off this topic because I'm gonna start getting mad again. I will say this: Trey plays his villain role to perfection. Uh, he is current Nick version of Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Yes. For sure. I I, I think he play I think he has a little bit more swag than Reg. I think that if he was I know I could say that for Reg too. If he was on our team, I would love him. But I I, I just think that Reggie Miller had more of an assholishness to his stuff that where Trey is just kind of like got it too. No, Trey is ass. Trey is assholeish, but it's it's just more cool. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. What's up? I don't, oh, I, I don't really hear you. You you bullet? Oh, <laughs> like like give it to me. I'm gonna give it back to you. Whereas Reggie Miller, he's like, no, I have no I have no qualms about stomping on your neck <laughs> while you're on the ground. Like no qualms about it at all. And you know, that's the thing. I I, I respect Trey. I respect Trey. You know, but it's still fuck Trey. So, uh, yeah, I, I, um, did you see the post game with Obi and RJ? Hopefully. We're gonna, we're gonna try and show that. I'm gonna try to insert it here during this part, uh, part during this. Uh, 
Like that energy into that first unit? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I know what I have to do when I'm on the court, uh, run the floor, uh, catch lobs. If RJ throws it to me, no, I'm just kidding. You did. <laughs> but uh, but I, I know what I gotta do, and I'm out uh, out there, bring a lot of energy, run the floor, and just just have fun when I'm out there. So. Capella got the block on you. It looked like he fouled you. What was that, that was a foul. No, I'm just kidding. That was, that was a good block. Uh, he timed it perfectly, but I'm going to catch him one day, maybe. What do you think of this in the NBA in general and in New York? Just answer two, bro. Just answer two. Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. All right. Um, you know, I, I think it was – I think it was great, you know. Um, I think it's an honor, you know, just to, to have a night like tonight, you know, definitely made – you know, me feel good. I'm sure it made, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people feel good. It made you feel good, right? Yeah, no, you know, that was, that was a great night. Uh, I'm happy that that was, that was celebrated and uh, hope that, you know, the league looks to, to, to do more with that. After, after halftime, you guys came back and got the lead. What did you think was missing from that point forward? Versus the fourth quarter? Oh, you want me to answer that one? <laughs> oh, I just feel like the energy wasn't there. Uh, I just feel like um, like we kind of we kind of broke down defensively, and 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 they they did they executed their offense, and and they played really good defense too. So uh, I feel like they they knew what they was doing going into the fourth, and and we kind of slowed down. But uh, we we got to learn from it and get better for the next game. That's great. That's a great answer. It's on YouTube. Next yeah. take videos. You know where to find us at. Just look and you'll, up and you'll be and able to hear it. part of the podcast. You'll be able to hear it at this part too. But um, I love the interaction. I love the interaction between RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin. Uh, I, it seemed like after that game, after the Jazz game, and starting with this Hawks game, the organization seems to be pushing for. RJ and Obi to be the future. And it was very interesting to see that the, they had those two guys answer the pressers together at this point. Um, French, I know you didn't get a chance to watch it, but they took turns taking que answering questions. They were playing off of each other. Oh, Obi was like, yo, you take this one. RJ's like, I, I just answered the last two. And just the just the kind of interaction and bro, and brotherly kind of action is it shows the camaraderie that's there, the joking, the back and forth, and you can still see RJ was pissed off about the loss. Like he was pissed off way more than Obi was, but he was pissed off, but still able to be like you know whatever I you know that's my brother whatever whatever and we're we're gonna come back and we're gonna win the next game. I'm I'm just gonna move on since you cannot really respond to it. I'm going to move right on to the Charlotte Hornets game. So, baby Nick, shoot the gym up against the Charlotte Hornets. Most fun win of the season if you have not seen it. If you have not seen it, I would advise you to go and watch it. With all the young legs out there, no Randall again, no Mitch this time, Soar back. Very fast-paced game. Sims dominated inside early with some dunks. RJ was running the team as the de facto leader. 
Obi was doing all of the little things that differentiate him from Julius, running up and down the court, making those quick passes, not holding on to the ball, shooting when he needs to shoot, passing when he needs to pass. Just overall, just I loved all of the minutes from everybody. Best game in his career. Yeah. LaMelo, too good, right? Even though the Knicks went off to a 20-point lead with the bench unit when the bench unit came in. Quickly, Deuce, Grimes, Taj. Blew it up to 20 points. LaMelo, too good. Too good. I wish we could have got him. And I'm going to talk about how the Charlotte Hornets got him after this, but I wish we could have got him. He was able to get the Hornets to make a run, cut the lead to single digits in the third quarter. But the Knicks were able to hold it down in the fourth. With a combined effort from everybody, the Knicks put the Hornets away down the stretch. Final 121-106. In this game, Evan Fournier, who's been knocking on the door of John Stark's 23-year-old record for, 23 po- for the, for the three-pointer, three-pointers made in the season, he broke it in the third quarter. And those two shots that he took, the one to tie the record and the one to, to break the record, beautiful. That that shot to tie it, especially apt, falling. He was in the corner, falling out of bounds, over an outstretched arm, fell on the ground. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. I, I if there's any shot to tie John Stark's record, it was that one. And then he made another one that just evokes his season. You know, just how how pure the shot was to break it. Another thing I want to say, that Hornets defense, not good. Not, not good at all. And Knicks shot 45 threes and had 30 assists as a team. Knicks are undefeated when they have more than 29 assists in a game. They beat Charlotte. They beat Portland. And they beat Orlando. All blowouts. So maybe not holding on to the ball and passing is the Knicks' key to success. I don't know. Why we haven't figured that out before? Maybe it's because of who our engine was, but that's that's on me. <laughs> I mean, that that that's that's. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just me. Man. That's a guess, guesstimation. Anything I'm forgetting from this from this game, French, that you want to talk about? This, like, the only thing that I dwell on when I was watching this game was just Ob's dominance like he i felt like he was dominating this game all around even though he wasn't the most uh dynamic scorer he was getting his points rather easily it seemed like he was getting dunks alley-oops he was he did a pull-up mid-range jumper this was by far just his most complete game as an nba player he played 40 minutes this game had 18 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Like he just, I I want to see what Ob is two years from now because I'm the ir- irrational Knicks fan that sees games like this and just starts to think about the the potential that this player has and what he can become. Because to see him do things like that, to be able to just get to the paint and glide 
with two steps and be able to knock down corner threes after only shooting 20 something percent and having the confidence from your coach to keep shooting that your mm -hmm. coach wants you to keep shooting that even though you're only shooting 20 percent is because he knows that you're a much better shooter than what you've displayed grabbing 11 rebounds he, he had the most rebounds on the team that um that game and the only players that had more assist than him that game was fournier and quickly and fournier threw a dime pass to, to Obi in transition late in mm -hmm. that fourth quarter to get him a, a, a wide open dunk. And that was a, that, that, that made me want to see Evan Fournier back here next year. Cause if I'm already get I've this level of production for shooting, like, yeah, I, 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 I was already open to that idea, but now to see Evan Fournier's passing in these last few games, like it, I, I haven't been blind to that. He's been really looking for his teammates a lot more. And they've also been looking to keep Mitch involved and Sims involved a lot more because a lot of the matchups that, that we spoke on uh, either last episode or the one before that where Mitch always has a mismatch down low, where there's, there's a young guy there, or Obi always has a mismatch down low. And now I see them actually throwing that pass to, to, to Obi in the center or whoever's got the mismatch. And it's just, it's, it's a lot more fast paced and fun to watch. And even when Taj Gibson comes in the game, it's like he matches that level of intensity and energy that they, they do Even though he can't move at the same speed and pace that they do, he provides that veteran presence yeah. while he's out there, while keeping up his energy at his old age or older age, I should say. So this was definitely a great win. One of the most fun wins of the year. Evan Fournier did, like you said, broke the record, and it was a nice step back three on Plumlee to get the record. It was just crazy. Mm -hmm. That was a good win. Um, was there anything else you want to speak on it before I go to the next game? Because that next game is where it at. that's where the shit got. At. That's where that's where it happened at. That's where it happened. At. That's where the episode <laughs> highlights is gonna be. At. This next episode, this 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 next game right here. Woo! Let's finish up Charlotte, though. Go ahead. Nah, nah, nah. I, you, go ahead. You already got them all hyped up. You might as well keep it going. <laughs> Yo, we didn't have Julius Randle again. Misses his second straight game, but Mitch is coming back off the bench. And I honestly, I, I, I keep saying this game, but it really was just the fourth quarter because the first three quarters, we played kind of inconsistent. Miami built a huge lead. Late, I mean, uh, into in the fourth quarter, and we just came out with the lineup of uh, Deuce McBride, quickly Grimes. Was it Sims? If I'm not mistaken, you remember Sims was the in there for, you got to. for Sims and Taj. It was Sims and Taj. Mm-hmm. Right? You I can't hear me? confirm it before I keep going, and I, I don't want to sound <laughs> stupid. So, boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Miami had the 17-point lead in the fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. This is the lineup that we have. And remember last episode, I'm talking about Deuce McBride. He got to become more confident. Yep. In the NBA games, like how he is in the G League games, he has to be able to score, show his repertoire. 
and be able to help right. the team in that way alongside with the clutch defense. We saw that. We saw that this game. We saw Emmanuel quickly have his best game in his career or best quarter in his career, I should say, because going into the fourth quarter, Emmanuel quickly only had three points. And we down 17. Jimmy Butler comes mm-hmm. into the game. I'm waiting for him to erupt and stop the Knicks from going on this run. Quentin Grimes had Jimmy Butler in check. I don't want to say he had him in smash. He had him in check in that fourth quarter because the <laughs> Miami Heat, they could not score for a large majority of this fourth quarter. The Knicks outscored Miami 38-15. to 15, Led by IQ Mc, McGride. Mc, McGride. You hear me? McBride. McBride, Deuce McBride, <laughs> Jericho Sims, and, and Grimes. Yep. And Taj had a huge defensive presence in this fourth quarter. Yep. We had very little to Burks, very little Burks in this game, no Fournier to end this game. RJ and Obi were subbed in in a very pivotal point in the stretch of this game in the fourth quarter when we were down uh, four points, I believe. And it, it was the exact lineup change that we needed in that moment because Deuce looked like he was starting to get gas. He His shot wasn't falling. Uh, well, his shot was falling. He was three for four from the field, but um, I think he missed a shot, and then we went a few possessions where we couldn't score. RJ and Obi come into the game, and they provided exactly what we needed down the stretch. Um, Deuce blocked Jimmy Butler, went coast to coast, and finished a highly contested layup before sitting down. Then IQ gets a clutch still at the end of the game, hits a reverse layup. Knicks win this game 111-103. IQ is just has me in an irrational state of mind right now where I, I understand where I, I I I am probably being very inconsistent when it comes to IQ because talking about he should have been coming off the bench and <clears throat> <laughs> it's probably too much for him to be a starter. But Miami, the way I'm saying that that game was no chance we winning, I seen we didn't have Randall. I'm thinking it's going to be like, all right, we're going to see some good minutes from the young guys. They're going to have a good quarter or two. But Miami's going to win this game. I'm ready. I, 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 I wasn't excited to watch this game at all. And then when I saw Mitch wasn't playing, I'm like, I mean, Mitch was going to be playing. I'm like, maybe we do have a chance. But I was not expecting what we saw. RJ finished the game. He was struggling because Miami was uh treating him like Jordan in the 80s. They had the the, the RJ rules, triple team him every time he went down to paint. He only finished the game with 18 points, went two for 10 from three. Uh, OB finished the game with 15 points. Manuel quickly finished the game with 23. Mitch had 11 and seven off the, off the bench. But these young guys, they provide so much energy and a spark plug that is just it's 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 so fun to watch and i don't want to get irrational over this win because i do know miami is like it it appears that they're just losing games to avoid brooklyn and the eighth seed because they lost to philly without and beat a harden they lost another game and they they just lost again against Brooklyn last night so yeah I see a lot of Knicks fans on Twitter talking about Tibbs and how the the kids should have been playing all year this win just verifies it I don't want to 
jump too far off the ledge and make it seem like, oh, this team could compete with any team in the NBA now based off this win. There were factors. I knew I knew this the Miami Heat team was a, was definitely capable to perform a lot better than they did in that fourth quarter, and we got the win as, as a result of it. But it was just a really encouraging sign to see our, our young guys play like that and play that well with that chemistry together because the chemistry looks like it's, it's, it's forming nicely. I'm really, really excited to see what this team looks like next year. I keep saying that every episode, but I, 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 I just can't wait to see it. What was so, your thoughts about this game? I want to, before I talk about my thoughts, I just want to push back on something that you've said and I keep hearing everybody say. <laughs> I don't think Miami is losing games on purpose. I don't think they lost this game on purpose. For sure. I think they wanted to win this game. I don't game. think so either. And uh, which game was it? But that you they don't feel like they're playing at the best of their ability right now. I, I, I think that there's something wrong, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think that they're trying to... Wait, which game was it? Wait, wait, wait. I, actually, I was just looking. It, it, it might have been the Golden State game when they were... When, Jimmy Butler and Bam and Spo were all arguing. Yeah, they lost to Golden State without Curry, right, or uh, Clay. Yeah, right now they're on a losing streak, right? They lost to Philly, they lost to Golden State, they lost to us, and they just lost to Brooklyn. Badly. The Brooklyn part, I'm not surprised by. Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie playing, dangerous team. Mm. With just one of them, not so dangerous. We could have beat that Brooklyn team. We almost beat that Brooklyn team with just KD. But the 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 thought that you want to not be the number one seed because you might face off against Brooklyn in the eight. If you're the top, if you're the number one or the number two seed, you don't have. You don't have any control over your own destiny against who you play in the first round. Like I, people need to be need to understand how these play-in rules work. Wherever you're seated at, if you're number one or you're number two, you have no control because you have to wait for the play-ins to play out to know who you're going to face. The seventh, the the seven eight seed play for who's going to be the seventh seed. So even if Brooklyn finish off, finishes off at the eighth seed. Let me see. Let me look at the standings right now. If they face Cleveland in the, for a play-in spot, do you think Cleveland is still going to be the seventh seed? Not the way that Cleveland's playing right now. And there's no guarantee that that's even going to be a thing. Brooklyn could play their way into the sixth spot. Imagine Atlanta beat Brooklyn for the eighth spot. That'd be fun. As much I would love for Brooklyn to not make the eighth seed, but that'd be funny. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The only way that that might potentially happen is if they have to face Toronto. Yeah, I don't even. I can't even. I can't even think about it. They would have to. They would have to lose twice, or they'd have to fall to the nine seed, which is not going to happen. 
They'd have to fall to the nine seed and then play Toronto. That's the only way they don't make it. There's no, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to try to figure out where Brooklyn's going to be because all of these teams, Toronto, Chicago, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, they're all, they're all in the mix for, for all of those spots from six to seven, from five, from five to, to, to eight, five to nine. If you're losing games right now, yeah. I you I'll list off the records. Chicago, 43 and 31. Toronto, 42 and 32. Cleveland, 41 and 33. Brooklyn, 39 and 35. Charlotte, 38 and 36. Atlanta, 37 and 37. These these teams are not that far the off tenth, from each other. They're not. It's crazy how in the Eastern Conference, the 10th seed is 500. Right. Right. The 10th seed is 500. The ninth seed is 38 and 36. That's now, insane. Chicago ain't going to fall. to the West Coast. Chicago ain't going to fall to 10, but Chicago could fall into the play-in. And, and Atlanta ain't going to finish at 6, but they could finish at 7 at this point. Like, it, you can't play. The way that these play-ins work, you can't try to, unless you're, like, steadily in the 3, 4, 5, 6 area. Okay, maybe matchups matter there, but if you're the one, if you have the chance to be the one seed or the two seed, you don't have no, you, you have no control over that. I'm, I'm, I'm going for the one seed because there's no. If Brooklyn's in the play-ins, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be the seventh seed. I'm not, I'm not thinking that they're going to lose the first playing game. Sorry, go ahead. I talked over you for about five minutes. No, I'm just looking at the standings. Like, if the Knicks were in the West, we'd be the ninth seed right now. Right. That's we're not. tough. The East is the East is good this year, and it, the Knicks would have to at this point win the rest of the games. I believe. Do they have enough games to get to 500? We we're ten games under 500, and we only have what eight games left. Oh, so yeah. So <laughs> if Atlanta it loses, it doesn't mean it's games. over. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta would have to lose more than they'd win, and we'd have to we'd have to win out. At this point, no. Even if we win out, if even if they lose half the games they play, we'd still they'd still not, be at we, we would no. That's what I said. Yeah, they'd, they'd, have to lose, they'd have to lose more than they win, in order for us to even have a chance, which I don't see happening. Yeah, they play. Charlotte Aces, is over. OKC. Charlotte is over five hundred. Charlotte does have a chance to lose more games than they can win, but even still, that is a very tough ask. But I like the fact that the team is still kind of like you're in it until you're not. Yeah. So, whatever. So, the other thing that I wanted to kind of say, I wanted to kind of clean up the whole substitution pattern. The Knicks were up. By the time RJ and Obi came in, they were up by three. There was a little bit of a dead spot after Grimes hit his three. Both teams turned over the ball, missed shots, blah, blah, blah. And with three minutes left in the game, Barrett came in for Grimes and Obi came in for Taj. And I was, I'm, during that stretch, I was kind of like, please, Tibbs, please, please don't bring. 
Evan Fournier and, and Alec Burks, right? Please, like, please don't, don't, don't tips it up. And he called those two up, and I was like, okay, wait, Evolution. who's who's Obi coming in for? Taj. And yeah, Evolution. We finish it off. We finish the game up. Can we just see? Tibbs's faults now and just let him evolve into being a better coach. He's not. Is that not? Is that not a possibility? He's not. He's not going to evolve into being. He's always going to be who he is. But he is going to. Think so. By the by, the end of the season, he's going to do what he needs to do. It's just the problem is that we don't have the patience for a coach who is going to lose games doing it his way, as opposed to changing on the spot, right? And. I'm trying to write something like I, w- I want to start a blog about the Knicks and I'm going to talk about that mm. kind of in depth as far as, yeah, he's not a perfect coach, but we have to have patience, right? He is a much worse coach. He's a much worse, worse, bleh, much worse coach than he could be. He could be a much better coach if he just does certain things just a little bit better. But, and he's in a, I feel like he's still an elite coach. He's, he's, he's just not perfect. He's one of the best defensive coaches in the league, if not the best defensive coach in the league. So he's just not perfect. I, I you know what you're getting with him. Don't mess it up by thinking you're going to get something better. You better know that you're getting something better. You better know that you're getting a better coach if you're going to fire that man. Because otherwise, Word. We could have another five-year stretch where we're just cycling out guys that are not good because we think they're better. Shout-outs to Mike Woodson. Anyway. Favorite win of the season. You agree? No, this is by far my favorite win of the season. Right? And it's, it's just the fact that we got the win off the backbone of the kids. Yep. No Randall. Everything down the stretch of this this game just went so perfectly. Well. And Quickly's intensity, yelling into the crowd. Mm-hmm. I love to see that. In Miami, in Miami, I love to see that. In Miami is the is the that. is the thing that I I is the most exciting part about this game. I was a little jealous because you got the best game out of the four to talk about. And but you know, there's still a lot surrounding this game that I could kind of get into after the game. Um, Tom Thibodeau had some words. You know, it was an interesting game. I thought our guys played, our starters played really well in the first half and uh, in the bench didn't play as well as we would have liked. And then the second half, it was just the opposite. And the starters were, were okay. They were actually decent. And then the bench came in and they were terrific in the second half. So it was good. You know, like when you're shorthanded like that, you need everyone to play their best. And I thought we did. But, you know, these guys have been great. They've been practicing well and they're playing winning basketball. And we just want to keep getting better. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, the, the thing is, is, as I said, it's a long season. You need everyone. Like we also had, you know, Taj was in there for a good chunk of that as well. But and and that's why you have a bench and that's why you have depth and 
you know, depth is critical in, in today's NBA. It, just for all for a lot of reasons, you know, and um, you know, so I I think the important thing is the team is playing since the All Star break is playing very well, and and they've also you know they're practicing well, and when you practice well, you normally play well. It's pretty simple. Well, they were the same young legs that we had in the first half. Right. You know, so like the thing is, is like, I mean, you, you guys are like trying to nitpick this, nitpick that, but you need everyone over the course of the season, right? So, you know, we love our young guys. We see it every day. They, they're they supposed to bring energy, and they did. They were terrific, you know, but you need you need RJ, you need Julius, you need Mitch, you, need, you, you know, you need everyone. And so you need Evan, you need, you need Alec. It's a team. It's not a... It's not an individual thing. It's you know you can't just pick up a box score after and say, you know, like the the thing is is like, you know, how many people are watching the game after the game is played to really know exactly what happened in the game. So like I I see a lot of opinions, but I don't see a lot of people doing the work to actually study it. McBride's defense on Lowry in the fourth quarter. What did, what did you think? Of that? No, the, and not an easy. A cover because of his ability to shoot, but also his ability to draw fouls. And so, you know, and you know, he came up with a big rebound in traffic. Uh, those are winning type plays. And so, it's it's terrific. I thought Quentin gave us really good minutes. You know, he's been shaking the rust off for a while, but I thought second half he got his rhythm going too. And Jericho's been he's given us a lot of hustle plays, putting pressure on the rim. Um, and then, you know, Taj is sort of, you know, jack of all trades, does everything. You know, you can put him on anybody, play the four, play the five. He's played the three for us. You know, whatever you ask him to do, he just goes out there and does it, plays for his teammates, you know, helps you execute, knows all the little details of every play, knows the details of every scheme. So it's not just like individual, oh, this guy made a great play, but he doesn't fulfill any of his team responsibilities. You got to know what your team responsibilities are. That has to be paramount, and so that's how you win in this league. No, I'm just saying, like everyone has all the answers right after a game, and they, and oftentimes they they haven't studied, like how, so. How do you really know? Like, and I don't want anything to divide our team. Uh, I want our team together. That's how you win. You win as a team. You lose as a team, right? So when I see like stuff where being written or people talking about this, that, and you know, like oftentimes you you hear it all the time, and then you, when you actually do study it and you watch the game again, and maybe you watch it a third time, you actually know what transpired. Has that, has that been just in general an issue this season with? Maybe social media fans choosing one player to talk. Well, about that it's you know it's 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 where we are in society today, you know with social media it's it's a different animal and it's and like look hey it's part of the game we love it 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 drives the game it's pop, as popular as it's ever been but like to me I don't like anything that eats away at the fabric of the team and so you know people want to. Take one game, whether it's a win or a loss, and they went, well, this, this, and this. No, it's, you know, 
And oftentimes the things that they're saying, a guy might make one good play in the game and has nine bad plays. Or conversely, he makes nine good plays and he has one bad play. No, I just talked to him about staying away from you. <laughs> I say that, that's a joke. So. Uh, now, you know, at the beginning of the year, we bring in, because it, it's a big part of, of the league, and you just got to be careful with it. And it's, there, it's, it's different, but that's, you know, we're all the same. You know, we're, you have information constantly coming at you. And even if you stay off it, there's going to be people tell, telling you what, you know, they're saying. So you're going to hear it, right? So just block it out. Don't get distracted. Come in every day knowing that, hey, some days you may not play great, but you can still help the team win. And, and I just want the team to keep growing, just keep improving, keep learning. We got young guys. They're, they're going to learn. Trial and error is a big part of learning. Uh, bring energy to the group. Vets help the young guys grow. And then I want them to grow as well. That's what I love about Taj. You know, Taj is, you know, I don't know how many years in the league now, but a lot. And he keeps adding to his game, and he's, he, he loves every aspect of being on a team. He loves the meetings. He loves the weight room. He loves the travel. He loves every aspect of being on a team. And when you have guys like that that put the team first, good things will happen. So that's what we're trying to do. Tom, why do you uh, start Jericho? Um, because I could. <laughs> no, 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 it's a good question. It's just, you know, I, we really didn't know where Mitch was, you know, so, and a, a really, you know, like the fact that he tried to go to help the team says a lot, you know, so that, that was a real positive. And, you know, he got loose and he felt good, so he played more and he played well, you know, so I think that's, that's the key for us. And so to me, it's like whatever you can give us, whatever you can give the team to help, to help us win, we're, we're all for it. Sacrifice for the team. Put the team first. And I think he did that. All right. Thanks, Coach. Yep. But... Tibbs, a lot of people had a lot to say about it. So I heard about his post-game conference before I listened to it. And I will say that Tibbs definitely showed how he really felt about social media. <laughs> definitely had a lot to say about. I feel like he got everything off his chest. Social media. Yeah. Media. Fans telling him what to do. Fans talking to players any kind of way on social media. Right. I didn't like Hold his. That. I didn't like his response. You know, he was like, "I don't I want did. it to. I don't like anything that interrupts with the fabric of the team or something, something to that effect." I would have rather that he said what Emmanuel quickly said. Emmanuel quickly was like, and let me just point out, Emmanuel quickly, after the amazing game he had, came out with his deal with his shades. shades 
the deal with it shades that you see in all <laughs> from all the memes <laughs> definitely came out. I was like, yeah, um, social media is something that we can't control. We can only control what we can control. Go out there, do what you got to do. That was the answer right there. But that, Tim says that every post game. Yeah, but that's where it quickly probably got it from. Probably but, Tibbs. But that's not that's not what he said in this game, right? And he, if that's what you're saying, you got to keep to it. You know, social media. It, he he let these reporters bait him into his answers, and you know his answers weren't crazy. Like he he had, he admitted social media is important for the evolution of the game in terms of the popularity and all that stuff. He gave social media its props, and then he went on to be like. Y'all motherfuckers don't know what y'all talking about. <laughs> but as a coach, you know for him to say that after all this time in this season, he's been hearing it all probably. Yeah, and 100%. he's probably just fed up. Like, bro, y'all do not know what y'all talking about. Tibbs is a coach of the year, a multiple-time coach, coach of the year, and we trying to tell him what to do, and he's trying to tell us, shut the hell up. Sit in the stands and cheer. That's what y'all supposed to do. I know what I'm doing. But the reason why it's going to rub fans the wrong way is because he's not a perfect coach. And to have that approach to everyone isn't is, is kind of counterproductive because it's like people are seeing things that you're obviously not seeing or else there would be results on the, on the court. But at the same time, there's things that Tibbs is seeing that nobody else is seeing because he's just so far ingratiated into the into the NBA, like he knows what to look for. He knows why certain things wouldn't work that we don't know. So it's 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 a, it's a lose lose. All you got to see out of this post game was Tibbs' true emotions right. unfold. The the issue with Tibbs is that for him, there's a tried and true method as to how things work in the NBA, and he's not going to go away from it without reason. And it needs to be a strong reason. Even if his tried and true method ain't working, he's going to stick with it. He's going he's gonna to keep going. So, I mean, I get, I get it. I, 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 I get where he's coming from. But I think that if he is able to realize that sometimes that approach is not beneficial to winning, if he was more able to ingratiate that into his mindset, that would help him more than anything else. And everybody would be fine with him. But he's a person like everyone else. So as a result of his, as a result of the win, as much as the result of what he said about social media and about just how, we don't know what we're talking about in the in the social media on Twitter in regards to what we see on the court if we're only if we're re reacting immediately to the game and not watching tape and all that stuff we don't know what we're talking about Nick's Twitter imploded <laughs> like I have never seen a game that everybody was unanimously happy with and immediately went to Twitter to snipe Everyone shots still angry. at Tibbs, at each other. I was like, 
what is happening right now? Like, the Knicks Civil War continues. Knicks fans have been wilding all year, bro. Like, it's so many different perspectives in the Knicks community that nobody can just have a conversation anymore. And it's just so, it's, it's the, the Knicks to the Twitter streets at night is just not safe. You got to just go home, lock <laughs> your doors. It, it's not safe. You you liable to get the treatment if you say anything that Knicks Twitter does not agree with. Right. And that was just another example of that. I I I was like, yo, I knew it was gonna happen, but it was just like dudes was going for the jugular after this game. Imagine he was doing this all season. <laughs> and it's let me just say this. Tibbs couldn't do this all season. If he did this all season, we wouldn't have the game that we just had. I, I we want wouldn't people have I want, the record either. I I wouldn't. I I want people to realize that some games, our youth would have lost us. Which okay, you could be happy about that or whatever. Like this is this is a very a much more nuanced conversation than if he had done this the whole time, we would be a better team. It, it's just it just is. Yes, he's made mistakes. Yes, he's he's done things wrong as a coach. Yes, he could have handled this a hell of a lot better than he has. Yes, maybe some of the kids could have played a lot earlier. Yes, Alec Burks probably should not still be starting at point guard. With all that said, without Tibbs doing and operating the way that he's operated this entire season, we don't have this game. I, I will say that very confidently. Emmanuel quickly started off the season amazingly without shooting well, and then eventually he st stopped playing well on top of not shooting well. He was not, he was not able to do that. He was not able to do what he did in Miami back then when he was in that. He wasn't playmaking this well. He wasn't shooting this well. He, wasn't do he, he was defending this well at first, and then even that kind of fell off. Right? Giving him more minutes at that point in time, against some of the teams that y'all wanted him to play more minutes against, could have done more to hurt him than help him. I think that Tibbs has taken the appropriate response in regards to Manuel quickly. Obi Toppin. Slow stepped him into the NBA. Yeah, 100%. Obi Toppin, maybe he handled Obi wrong. But I can't say that he handled Deuce wrong. I can't say that he handled uh, Quentin Grimes wrong. I can't say that he handled Jericho Sims wrong. I can't say that he's handled RJ wrong. I can't say that he's handled Mitch wrong. Like, that's the part that pisses me off. Young players only apply to the young players that are not playing. <laughs> RJ Barrett is the youngest player on the team. How does Tibbs not trust young players if RJ is the starter and plays the most minutes out of everybody? How do he doesn't trust young players if Emmanuel quickly has never seen a DMP under Tibbs, if I'm not mistaken. How does he not trust young players? Not a DNP CD. DNP coaches did not play coaches' decision. Like, Never. bro, we saw when Grimes got into the rotation and was playing so well, he stuck with Grimes throughout the whole season. What young players doesn't he trust? He just doesn't trust inconsistent plays from young players as much as he sticks with inconsistent plays from vet players because he knows what to expect from them. Yeah. I understand the thinking, 
but that doesn't mean I completely agree with it. But you cannot say if the kids was playing all year, this is the result that would have happened because they're much more mature now than they were at the beginning of the year. They have much more of an understanding of what to do on the basketball court when you're on the when you're playing against an NBA team than compared to what you were what you would have done at the beginning of the season. So I'm with you on all your points. Emmanuel quickly was the main reason we won against Miami, and that's what people's takeaway is at the end of this game. We won because Deuce McBride and Grimes had a great fourth quarter too. Like, bro, seriously? They got into that point under the development of Thibodeau, right? He gets the credit for, for a win like this just as much as the players do because these players have a chemistry and they've gotten the, the defense to a point where it, that's where Tibbs wants it to be at, and that's why they're playing as much as they have because he could have gone with Fournier and Burks in the fourth quarter again if he was the type of coach that everyone makes it seem, make, wants to make him seem to be like. If he if he didn't trust young players at all, why didn't he go with Burks in the end of the game and Fournier and Taj at the end of the game? He could have, he could have. When he brought RJ and Obi in, he could that he could have did he could have did those the expected thing, and he didn't. And he, RJ he has deserves, never come off the bench. He deserves, he deserves that. He deserves that 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 those kudos for doing that. I I was trying to see if RJ really was the youngest player on the team. But I can't find the birthdays. So he is. He's him. Deuce. Who do you think is younger? We'll, him, we'll Deuce, do it and Quentin way. Grimes are all twenty-one. So, <laughs> yep. I don't. I I don't know when their birthdays are. I, I'm pretty sure RJ's birthday is coming up. So, I don't know if he is, but he's at least the second youngest. Passed already. Who RJ's? So RJ's twenty-two. Oh, it is coming. No, no, no. It is coming up. It's coming up in June. Sorry. So, um, I was, I was trying to look that up real quick, but we, let's move on to the next topic, which was going to be, well, actually I've, I've kind of done it throughout this entire episode. Uh, my complaints for Thibodeau, right? I, I've given him his roses and I've made my complaints. He didn't lose us the game in, against the Utah Jazz, but he certainly did nothing to help us win that game. By doing what he did. I, Wait, one quick thing. Yeah. One quick thing. Go ahead. Deuce is the youngest player. His birthday's in September. RJ's birthday's in June. Continue. So, I have a problem with that. Oh. <clears throat> I have a problem with... I have a problem with how slow he is to respond to things. I have a problem with some of his rotation decisions. The rotation decision that he made with the Atlanta Hawks with keeping Taj Gibson out there that entire fourth quarter. I didn't think I didn't like that. I think he needed to trust his young guys a little bit more in that game as well. I understand why he did what he did, but at a certain point you got to see what's not working. And we got taken advantage of by the Hawks in that game. So coaching decisions against the Jazz, coaching decisions against the Atlanta Hawks. Same same problems that we've had all season. I, you know, I don't have too much more to complain about. Like, it, 
you gotta be you gotta be better at these in-game decisions. You got to. You have to. It's when it comes to playoff time. We saw how you got exposed against the Hawks last year, which we we were gonna lose that season, that series anyway, maybe. Right? I maintain that if we had Mitch, which I don't remember if you talked about it, that Mitch interception of the pass to Clint Capella from the Hawks game. Mm-hmm. If we had Mitch, that happens. I didn't and, talk and about it. It, it, it. That happens in the series. It, like, Mitch is, is the best option against that, that duo. Are they going to still do it? Yes. They, they've done that lob to Capella with Mitch on the court before. But only Mitch is able to intercept is able to step show out against Trey and intercept that pass because he's so long and he can he can jump. So we were gonna lose that series, but it, I can complain about the things that he did and didn't do as a coach for that series as well. There's a lot of things with Tibbs where you leave a lot on the table, which is why I said last week that I don't think that he's going to be the coach that takes us to the finals. He's the he just does, he leaves too much on the table that he should see and be like, that's easy offense. That's, that's easy. That's easy defense. That's easy. That, this is an easy advantage that we can, that we could take. I should do this. I should play this guy. I know I don't usually play this guy. Like these are the things that he doesn't do because he sticks to one plan. And if he, that plan doesn't work, the entire <laughs> game week season is shot. So. I've said mostly what I had to say throughout the throughout the episode. You have any complaints about Tibbs you want to get off before I move on? Tibbs is my favorite Knicks coach of all time since I've been a Knicks fan. I do have complaints, but it's it's like I'm happy with him being the coach still. I want to see him here next year. So I'm not going to use any time to pile on Tibbs when that seems to be the sentiment of most Knicks fans. Knicks fans have never seen Knicks fans haven't seen a coach that they loved since Jeff Van Gundy was coach. And I'm pretty sure when Jeff Van Gundy was coach, they was probably criticizing him too. Yeah. Heavily. If we're going to keep it a buck, there's no such thing as if you're a coach on the, on the Knicks, unless you make, unless you win the championship, you're not a good. You're not a good head coach. Until you're gonna gone. Keep it buck. When, All these guys that are out here making having these conversations about why we should move on from Tibbs, whatever, whatever. I just wish one of them would would keep it a hundred and admit that honestly, there's no such thing as a good head coach until we win. Because let's think back to the last, uh, and let's think back to every head coach we've had since Jeff Van Gundy. And if they weren't fired because they were just an interim head coach, they've at least one time heard a chant in the garden saying to fire them. Mm-hmm. Mike D'Antoni, Mike Woodson. Mm-hmm. Mike Woodson is the one that everyone loves now. Oh, why did we let Woodson go? They were fire Woodson he was here. Oh man, they were fire fire. They were fire Woodson chants in the garden. It, it's documented. Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was the savior. Let's not forget. <laughs> like. We couldn't wait to get rid of Mike Woodson and bring in somebody to run the triangle. Let's not forget. Pump pump your brakes, y'all. Right? Pump your brakes. I understand. I'm not saying there's no reason. 
to fire him. I'm not saying that. I have my complaints. He's not, he's not had a good season. He has done things that are very bad to do as a coach. He's cost us games. He's not adjusted. He's not adjusted correctly. Cool. He's not Fisdale. He's not Derek Fisher. He's not Kurt Rambis. <laughs> right? Let's not let's not do Remember this. Remember Kurt Rambis? That's nasty. So I wanted to finish off last topic of the week. I wanted to give RJ Barrett his roses. Since December 31st, RJ Barrett, 24 points per game, six rebounds a game, three and a half assists per game as of a couple of days ago. Not sure if those numbers are still uh, 100% accurate, but they're close. R.J. Barrett has display, displayed and shown leadership qualities. He's been the only grown-up in the room, the second youngest player in the room, and his playmaking is taking, it just has just skyrocketed, really. Not worried about his efficiency because he'll figure that out. I love seeing him score 20 points a game, 30 points. We didn't even talk about that either. Shame on us. The back-to-back 30-point games. We're so used to it now. Back we're, to not back. Used to, we're not used to the back-to-back 30s, but we're so used to seeing him drop 30 that it's just... Most 30-point games by a, a player under 22 this season? Drop 30 against Atlanta, drop 30 against the Hornets? Like, n- not worried about the efficiency. At this point, Arche, let's trade Julius. <laughs> That's how I feel. It's, you know it's bad. You know why it's bad for me, for me to even, like, you know, not only have you turned on Julius, you know Ash? Ash Nicole Ashley Moss. Ashley Nicole Moss. You know Ash? Mm-hmm. Who, 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 you know, you might have seen her on some podcasts. She's mm-hmm. a contributor to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, you know, I like S-I-N-Y. that. S-I-N-Y. Defended Randall. She's the, the, the Randall defender to a lot of us. Even she, I don't know if you've seen that clip, French. Even she's kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with Julia. When even Ash is not not on your side, bro, you know you you know you done you know you messed up. Yeah, it's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over. I so, just want to see what happens this off season, man. I just want to see what trades are out there. I want to see what we do with the draft. I want to see what we do with these extra veteran contracts on this roster, what we do with Kemba Walker. Because RJ needs stability around him and a group to throw with. And we don't have to be worrying about the best player sucking the life out of the organization. Mm. Like, we, we need some stability. We need some type of consistency so that RJ can have some, like, just, just be stable here in New York. Right. Not always wondering what is, what, what is, the, is the grass green on the other side? Right. What's it like to be on a winning organization? Like, we just, we got to take it one step at a time. And we have all the leverage, I feel like. We have a player with the talent to warrant bringing back some assets. So <laughs> it's the front office job that someone did Bring something back for us because we, we have assets. We have draft picks. We have everything we need. Right. It's just a matter of getting it done now. So now that we've Young got... Young players. Now that we've given him his roses, 
We've we've said that Julius Randle is expendable. We've said that we need to build a team around R.J. Barrett. The fact that we do all that, does that mean that we're in agreement that we should give him the max? R.J.? Yeah. He's max eligible this offseason. I, I agree that we need to pay him. If he's willing to take less than the max, I'd... I'd really enjoy that. If he do you want to hear the, the numbers? Max, he deserves that. Do you want to hear the numbers for his uh, max contract situation? Totally. Or do you know what it is? <sighs> Barrett, according to the New York Post, mm-hmm. Mark Berman, good old Mark. Barrett has earned a maximum rookie contract extension worth up to $181 million over five years. Now. Hey, Google. What's 181 million divided by five? 36,200,000. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's not going to be too is, much, though. I feel is, like... When you and that's think just about the average. RJ five years from now, yeah, that's just the average. Five years from now, five years. That now. means that that means his 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 third year he'll be making the thirty six mil, which means he'll probably do like thirty two, thirty four, thirty six, thirty eight, forty, or somewhere. You yeah. know, maybe they'll make it a little bit closer. Maybe it'll be you know uh, thirty four, thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight. Do it. How do you how do you feel about that? Would you do it? Yeah, like I, like yeah, I'm doing that. RJ four years or, from now is gonna be a star. Or pay him now, so we gotta pay him later. I mean, you pay him later, it's gonna be probably the same thing, and you probably save a little bit of money. But uh, uh-uh. no, Supermax. That's also a possibility. Supermax, <laughs> exactly, exactly my point. It's also a possibility. Like we, you, I agree with you. Just pay him now. Just pay him now. It, he, it, he is inefficient now. I, I have no, I have no concern about him fixing that part of his game with the efficiency. He's brought up his, his, his three-point shooting. He's gotten to the line a lot more. He seems to be a natural in the role of being that number one guy. And he's showing it against the teams that aren't good. And he's not playing. He's not playing awful against the really good teams. Like he played against the Miami Heat. It was a bad shooting game for him for sure. For sure. And he turned over the ball a bunch and all that stuff, but he still did some good things on the court. And the last time he played Miami, remember how much he dropped? 46. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. The only problem I have is them, how, how difficult that makes it to build a team around him in the future, which is why you have to trade Randall, which is why you have to trade Noel, which is why you have to trade Burks, which is why you might have to trade Derek But Rose. I just feel like the... The front office, the one thing that we cannot say they have done wrong or have done poorly so far since they've been here is draft poorly. Right. And 
even if you pay RJ a huge amount of your cap space, our young guys are going to need to get paid too. And they're going to develop and provide things that we don't even see right now in the future. And we, we have to take that into account. They also got to get paid too. We can't just keep giving money to free agents and paying guys from other teams who got to come here and learn the system, get incorporated, learn how guys rhythm, like the guys who are already here, the guys who we drafted and the guys who we're going to continue to draft. That's what I, I think I'm going to be paying more attention to because we have our own nice, solid, young core roster already set. Right. We have guys who are going to be here for years down the line. I believe. Hopefully. When's the last time we've been able to say that? When's the last time we've even had that thought cross our mind that we have, have, have that we have at least five players who are going to be here long-term? I have two quick side notes because we, we're, we're coming up on two hours. Two hours, yeah. Two quick side notes. Would you, would, qu questions actually. Mm-hmm. Would you sacrifice wins next season to get rid of all the veterans and just build through all of our young players? Or would you yeah, trade sense. some it, of the... I, I'm not going to be giving of, away... Or would you trade some of the vets, trade a couple mm -hmm. of the young guys for a, real, a really good player that might fit next to RJ? Um, it depends on the young players and it depends on the player. Like, if we could trade Randu and some other players for a Paul George, I might do that. Okay. The other question. Mitchell Robinson. It's the other contract debate that we haven't discussed. You hoping that we get a extension done? Or are you hoping that we um, sign him in the offseason? I'm off hoping season? more so. I'm hoping that we get a deal more than an extension. I, I care more about the deal than I care about the extension. I don't want to pay Mitchell Robinson too much money. What's too much money? Long term. Um, anything more than 10 a year. He's going to get more than 10 a year. Well, I shouldn't say anything more than 10 a year. Anything that's going to be around. It, he, he might get anything a contract. more than um, what Robert Williams would bring. Would 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 make in a contract that that's the limit that I would go, the Robert Williams standard. Yeah, you want me? To look that's up. what he's gonna bring: dunking, blocking, and rebounding. He's gonna I'm, be the head I'm, of your defense, but you can get guys like that for pretty cheap: Javale McGee, Dwight Howard. You ain't you shouldn't put too much of your cap space into that. Clint Capella, I, I understand he's a high paid. Sensor, but how much uh, of an impact does he really have on the Hawks compared to Mitch? You get what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Just for comparative, I just looked up Robert Williams' contract. Average salary, salary is $12 million a year. First year is 10.7, second is 11.5, third is 12.4, fourth is 13.2. And then he is an unrestricted free agent after in 2026. Um, it looks to me, and I didn't, we didn't bring this up earlier because I could, I couldn't remember which game it was, but it looks to me like Mitch is still evolving his, his game. 
offensively. He's trying to, anyway, around the rim. He's put up a couple of hook shots that have missed, but mm-hmm. he's attempting them now. And it seems like he's trying to do some post moves in the, in the paint. You, have you noticed that as well? Not really? Yeah, and I, that's why, no, I, I've noticed it, but the kind of player that's going to deserve the contract that he wants has that already solidified. That's true. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. There's no guarantee that he's going to get there. There's no guarantee. Jericho Sims is already a better post player than than Mitchell Robinson is, but Mitchell Robinson is still the better overall player. It's tough. It's tough. And I have I have no faith that Jericho Sims is ever going to be as good as Mitch is right now. I think he's going to come close. He's going to approximate so. a percentage, but he's 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 not maybe going he's to... not going to dominate as much as Mitch can dominate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's not. He's not. And that's the thing. Like, you can be a really good player. You can even put up similar stats, which I don't think he's gonna. He's ever going to have a game like Mitch where Mitch can get a double-double with all his rebounds being offensive rebounds. Like, that's, that is amazing and crazy. <laughs> Jericho is never going to do that. But it's tough. I don't want to see Mitch go at never the end of the day. Never I don't want to see Mitch go. All right. I'd, if we see Mitch go, I want it to be a sign and trade. That's what I'd left out. If I if Mitch doesn't resign with us and we can't come up with a a way to extend him, I want to see us trade him for something back. I just don't want to lose him for nothing. Agreed. All right. And we have picks this year. We could draft another center who does the same things. Also true. Also true. Um, all right, I, let, let's move on to predictions, French. So last week, Ja predicted that the Knicks would go two and two. So he would choose his predictions first this week. I want to get the Knicks will play Pistons, Chicago, oh snap, Charlotte, and Cleveland. Hey. Who you got? Ooh, can't you got believe I won team? again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pistons aren't playing well. Chicago got their first, they were on a losing streak before they got their first win over the Cavs. Both of those teams have not been playing well. And the Hornets, we just beat them. They might be coming back for some some, some revenge after we beat them. I, I see no reason why we would, if we have a healthy Mitch, I have no see no reason why we can't just repeat what we did the last time. I'm going three and one. I don't know. I, I think that the Knicks have a chance without Randall, let me be clear. I think they have a chance to win all four of these games with how with the Bulls seeming to be on the decline and not having having ball on 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 the floor at this at this point in time. I, I believe he's out for the season. But yeah. So that's an advantage there. I could see them winning that game. I could see them losing that game. 
And I already gave my reasoning for the Hornets. I, they might be coming back to try to make get that revenge game against the Knicks when they come. So I can see the Knicks winning that game. I can see them losing that game. But I don't think that they're going to lose both. I could see them winning all four of these games, but I don't. I can also say, like, nah, more than likely they're going to lose one of those two games, the Bulls, the Hornets, even the Cavs, they can lose against. The Cavs were playing really well earlier this year, and they've gone and been on the decline as well. I see the Knicks going three and one. I can't. Only one that I know that they're definitely winning is the Pistons. I'm going to say they're going to beat the Pistons. They're going to lose to the Bulls. They're going to beat the Hornets. They're going to beat the Cavs. But. Any one of those last three teams, I think that the Knicks can lose. Yeah, by the time, by the by the time this comes out, we would have already played the Pistons game. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna take that one. I think the Bulls we're probably gonna fall to them, and we'll beat the Hornets and lose to the Cavs. So I got us going two and two. It's a good. It's a that's a good prediction. If I, I wasn't going three and one, I would Bulls, go two and two. Yeah, but, I don't think the Bulls are going to lose to us. Uh, the Bulls have the, have you seen? I like, was leaning towards four and no two. Four like four like uh, I, this is the only time where I'm like, yo, I could legitimately go in two, but I don't think that highly of any of these teams. I think the Knicks could beat all of these teams if they're playing the way that they've been playing. I think they could go four and oh, really? So I split the baby and said three and one. I, I think three and one is the most likely outcome because yeah, if these play if the especially the Bulls and the Cavs, if they continue to play as poorly as they've been playing, yeah, the Knicks can take take one or both of mm-hmm. those games. So all right, I think that's a good prediction by I you, French. Yeah. Hopefully I was I, I would have did three or one if I went first. Would you? It's cause I know you, sir. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> if you had gone first and gone three and one, I would have had a tough choice between two and two and four and zero. Oh. And I, but I might have gone four and zero, oh, honestly. Just it's just it to me is it's just dependent on. Uh, yeah. I, honestly, it's dependent on if Julius is playing. Honestly, like, I, do I think the Knicks could go four and zero oh with Julius on the court? Yeah, but I don't trust Julius enough to play, to play within the offense that we have been playing over these last few games. And that's that's how they've been winning. All right, French, you got any recommendations? Yeah. Oh, before we do that, I just wanted to mention I had I had a uh, side note, little side little thing plug. Uh, Kevin Durant has his own podcast. Didn't know that. I was searching for things to talk about this week, and I found out that. Kevin Durant has a, a podcast and a YouTube called Etc. with KD, where him and his boy are uh, the Etcetera's, excuse me, the Etcetera's with KD, where him and his boy are Eddie Gonzalez are talking about, you know, whatever. Since I think it's maybe a weekly podcast, maybe a bi weekly, I'm not entirely sure. I happened to listen to it, it just came out a few days ago. They were talking about the Knicks game against, uh, 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 you know, the, the Nets versus Knicks game. And he brought up a couple things. I was going to play it on here, but, you know, we have to figure that part out as far as media. <laughs> it, might, it might just have to be audio only. But 
I will post the links to the clips where he's talking about the pod, where he's talking about the Knicks, his thoughts on Evan Fournier, him talking about how he hates French players because they knocked him out of the Olympics. And anytime he plays against them, he just wants to beat them. And he wants, you know, but what is when it's outside the court, when he sees him on the street, it's all love. Evan Fournier is one of those guys that he just wants to kill him on the court. Uh, he talked about the him holding his his hand where he was the saying you tiny yeah. you little and he and he said yeah I was I called him a mini <laughs> I called him a mini <laughs> so he talked about that he also he also talked about you know I'm not gonna link this part if because there's too many links for me to root for somebody else's podcast but he's he talking about just the rivalry between the Nets and the Knicks. You know, how the Knicks fans love, you know, they wanted, they, they put a bull billboard right outside his window to have him come to New York and all that stuff. And he, it was a very interesting podcast, the parts that were about the Knicks. And he just really talks about everything. It's not all, all Knicks related. So, but if you want to hear Katie's thoughts and all that stuff, I would suggest y'all check that out. I'll post check that out. I ain't hear it. I'll, I'll post the, I'll post the small clips. And from there you can watch the full video. All right, French, you have any recommendations for us? We're going to use this week to give the listeners time to just watch all the previous recommendations (laughs) because I know there's no way that they watched everything. It's impossible. The Wires, like four seasons, the Boondock. I ain't even finished watching it. So if I ain't finished watching it, how you finish watching it? So we're going to give the listeners some time to just go back, I know they skipped over a few of my recommendations. Don't skip a single one because <laughs> it took time to think these through. They all good. Every single recommendation I gave you was a good movie or a good TV show. So go back and watch one of those. And stay tuned for the next recommendation. Well, you guys can always count on Ja to have a recommendation for you because Ja likes to watch anime. Uh, I started watching. Oh, no. I currently blanked on what the show I've watched. Oh, no, I remember now. Black Clover. Started watching Black Clover. Uh, I'm still getting into it. Seems to be an interesting anime show. It's about, it's about two orphans raised in a church in a land where everything is you know, done with magic. Magic is the... Magic is the is the currency with which everything is done, and one of the one of the orphans they they raised his brothers. One of the orphans has absolutely no magic, but he's approaches everything like I'm not done. I'm 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 gonna do it. I, like, and the other brother is just quiet. He starts off as a crybaby, and then once he's saved by his by his brother he decides that he's going to achieve the same goal as his brother, which is to become the wizard king and bring happiness and good things to their family. So I just started watching it. It seems to be a good show. I haven't seen anything that, you know, it's not boring. I want to see where it goes. I want to see where the, because I haven't seen any villains or anything like that, you know, just minor, minor villains, minor characters. And it's just basically character building at, at, as far as where I'm at. But I'm very interested to see what happens as these two orphan brothers who are not related 
they develop their own rivalry to see who's going to be the Wizard King first. So uh, if you're looking for something, if you guys basically spend the whole week watching everything that we recommend, yeah, watch Black Clover until next week. (laughs) I'm about to switch the recommendations to a monthly thing because... It's too hard, huh? <laughs> take a minute to watch. Nah, I'm saying I, no, because I don't. I don't want to recommend some unless I finished it. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to. I want to watch something thoroughly, enjoy it. Right. And then if I feel like it's a, it's something I should recommend to people, that's when I'm gonna throw it on the podcast. Because coming up with it weekly, I'm gonna just start throwing out anything. Uh, in case. But. <laughs> in case in case anybody wants to know, our producer wants wants y'all to know. Her prediction is 4-0 this week, as it is every week. <laughs> so, yeah. If, if, the, if the Knicks go 4-0, she will win next week's predictions. But, yeah. All right. Unless you got anything else to say, French, we're going to sign we're about off. we to stop right at the two-hour mark. All righty. We're going to sign right off right at the two-hour mark. We got, what, 15 seconds? Let's get to it. Go ahead. All right. Get- once again, y'all, thank y'all for listening. Make sure y'all like, subscribe. Make sure y'all pass this off on to your friends. Let them know about us. We appreciate y'all, y'all. We love y'all. Thank you for listening to the, the Mixtape Podcast. Podcast. Peace. The, the Mixtape Podcast. Peace. <laughs> that boy is good. <laughs>